0: Hey, this is Aquia Jampy and you're listening to TBB Talks, a podcast where we, from the British Blacklist, bring you our conversations with creative black folk from the UK and across the globe. We'll be talking to up and comings, headline popping, and the legends from screen, stage, music, and literature. Basically, if they're creative, we'll be talking to them. And we hope to shed some insight into their lives, the work that they choose, who their inspirations are, how they stay motivated, and more importantly, how they keep sane being black in the arts and entertainment world. Jampfi founder of the British Blacklist and please could you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do and give me a word or a sentence that best describes you and you don't have to explain why it describes you or you can get okay. the full detail if you so feel.
1: Okay my name is Breeze uh, which is b-r-e-i-s that stands for brother reaching each in a soul. I am a hip-hop rap artist, an author, and an educator I'm also the founder of a hip-hop education organization called student of life um what word would I use to describe myself I'd say creative how are you I think I'm all right it's been a mad time
0: what's been the biggest self-revelation <laughs> that you've had since lockdown and the world in general reacting to everything that's been happening
1: I've been In the twilight zone for the past six months, the biggest revelation, actually, there isn't one, there are many. Mm -hmm. So one of the first ones was check on your people. That was a really big one. And I could only do that for a while because I guess I could call myself an empath. Mm -hmm. And so I take on these different emotions. So I was checking on people constantly and getting this heavy news back and it got to a stage where I was like okay, it's too much it's too much so I had to step back a little bit but it was important just to check on people the other thing was focus on your surroundings your immediate space make it as conducive and as enjoyable as possible because when the lockdown kicked in <laughs> it's like oh oh we we really living in here now we're, we're not going anywhere there's no traveling there's nothing and, you know, going to Tesco was like, oh, oh yeah. going out. So I had to really look at my living space, move stuff around, uh, I was ordering stuff, you know, set up a home studio, just trying to keep myself in a good frame of mind. And, and your environment was a big part of that. And then focusing on the now and not the future.
0: That's really interesting because I think one of the biggest, apart from everything, I had a really I I wish I, I don't keep a diary anymore, but I can't remember when, maybe one, two or three, something, it was quite early into lockdown. Mm. And I had a real massive clear out, me and my daughter had a big clear out of the flat. It's a small flat and we were cluttered. And there's so much excess stuff, Mm. that meant nothing. And one of the biggest kind of weights off my shoulder was um, clearing out my bedroom. Mm -hmm. And it's never been, I've never positioned it in the way that it's positioned right now. And it's just it's just such so refreshing to come into my room, and it's like a real even better safe haven. And I think mm. it's, important. So it's just interesting that you said that yours was because people have said many different things, but you're, it's, I think you're the first person that said the tidy up, the clear out, was something yeah. that contributed to your evolution,
1: possibly. Mm. Yeah, and peace of mind. Yeah, or well, clarity of mind, actually.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't even walk around it, and I and. I hear you when you say checking in on people, mm. though necessary can be weary when you know that everyone's going through some madness. And I think one of the biggest mm-hmm. shocks to us all um, of our generation specifically in community is a loss of tie. So, I mean, there has been some time passed, but I, it, I can imagine that for those like you who are close to him, that it's, it's, you're still not through the fire with it, with the grief, but how did it affect you and who was tied to you personally? And what Mm. kind of resolution did his passing bring
1: to you? Uh, I've been friends with Ty for over 20 years. And um, he was like a big brother that I didn't have. And um, we were big, big hip hop enthusiasts. We grew up, you know, listening to a lot of hip hop albums together, doing shows together, rehearsing, freestyling together, plotting recording you know so many different things and um our families got to know each other we were just brothers there for each other had the odd disagreement but you know for the most part it was just we were just so cool yeah it was really really difficult when i found out because i found out he was ill Mm. and and i found out from a mutual friend from the states oh wow so I was quite vexed. I was like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? So I reached out and um, I said, look, what do you need? Like shopping wise, let me get you some stuff. He told me what he wanted. Uh, I'd cook some jollof rice that mm. weekend or something. So I packed that as well. Got some some fruits and some other things. Dropped it off. Didn't see him, just dropped it by his door. Went, we were messaging each other because his phone was off, so couldn't call him Mm -hmm. so it was just a it was just a a dm via uh social media actually that was the only way so we did a bit of corresponding that day the next day he went to the hospital
0: okay
1: so for a good week or so only a few people knew and then later on the news broke out that he was in hospital Um, but you know those five or six weeks they were so horrible and that made the lockdown even you know 10 times worse than it already was because I had another mutual friend or we both had a mutual friend who went in at the same time so I was worried about both of them and um, she's come out it was just a huge uh, uh, I don't even know what the word is do you know what I mean like just knowing that he wasn't here anymore was it was weird it was so weird and it was it wasn't believable it wasn't believable and because of the whole because of the COVID situation not being able to visit your mind starts working overtime and you're thinking what did they do this did they do that and was the treatment right and you know all of these different things but
0: what can you do I say resolution because I I mean you might not have might not feel any resolve because I know when I heard I think someone said sorry to me first I think I saw social media I saw Mm. oh that I think it's from when he was in hospital. So I was about like, what the hell? And then the crowdfund. And then my friend messaged me one day, whatever the day what well, on the day, and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, What and then that set me off. But then um so I don't know what resolution you maybe possibly been able to find, but was there anything in his passing that again, similarly to the lockdown um stuff that you've kind of reconciled with, was there anything mm. in his passing that made that, in, not inspired you, but is that resolution kind of like in going forward?
1: Yeah, I don't know if resolution is the word I would yeah. use. It was more about another revelation, actually. Okay. And the first one came when the crowdfunder or the GoFundMe happened, set up by Diane Laidlaw. And um, I'm so grateful that she did that. You know, I told her, I said, you know what, you're a G, you're mm-hmm. a G for that because it's something I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it because I didn't want to put his business out there. And, and she just did it. And yeah. I was just like, good.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and uh, even if he doesn't like it, tough. Yeah. He's going to have to deal with that. And he's going to have that. And he'll be able to come out and change a whole load of things that he was dealing with, living situation and, and, and all sorts. So I was happy about that. But I was not distraught, but I was upset that the community... Rallied round, but only when he was in hospital. That for me was painful. I said, We don't really know how to do community properly yet. That's what I felt. I included myself in that. I'm not, you know, projecting that onto anyone else. I just said, We don't really know how to do this community family thing properly we haven't worked it out because this could and should have happened before in some sort of way not necessarily that way but in some sort of way um and then when he passed the you know the outpouring of love the industry the industry yeah you know coming out and and, and praising him and and i'm like but you weren't giving him that love and that was a big thing in his life do you know what I mean? It got to the stage where I was like, I hope he knows how much outpouring of love there is for him.
0: Everything you said, I feel the same way, and also knew of him in conversations I've had, or just what was coming out of him. I remember when the last thing I messaged him was like, "I'm coming for you. I'm going to do this interview. We done. He done two interviews with us with TBB, but I was like, I'm always conscious in the back of mind that oh, we need to do more. I need to do more, but um. I think, we, I think we know how to do community, but I think everyone's just trying to keep their head above water and take for granted what people need and take or misunderstand mm-hmm. what it is to get behind someone. There is an element of selfishness, I can imagine, and ignorance. But it, we need to, like, we always need a rude awakening because I feel like in, time, um, in, in other times we do come together. It's just very strange. Yes. So, yeah. so, I mean, I remember being in conversation with and hearing... Ty speak many times about the disconnect between the old guard that he was a part of, we are a part of, and the new school of black musicians. So how do you feel about your own music legacy and its recognition or lack thereof as part mm. of the history of black music in the UK? And this does apply to how Ty potentially was feeling.
1: I've been an artist for many years, but I've, I've been on the outskirts of the industry. I've, I've you know stepped in, and going, yeah, yeah, some things aren't adding up here. Let me step back and um, let me, you know, I was someone who was at the time, in the time I was, I was starting, it was all about getting a record deal. Mm. And I was just doing my thing on open mics. I had an event uh, with some friends called Urban Griots that we were doing. It was an open mic session. We invited poets, singers, rappers. And some people that were there were getting deals, it was, you know, and at some point I was like, okay, surely it's my turn now. (laughs) And it didn't kind of happen. And so I released, I must have released a single, didn't really do what I thought it was going to do. And I kind of stepped back a little bit. Then I got into, I got into working in education as a rap artist and using rap as a way of improving literacy skills. And that became like my next career. And then that supported my art. And, you know, I've always struggled with the industry in terms of being an outsider. I always felt like I was an outsider. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started, my identity was definitely, I'm a UK MC, but I'm Nigerian. And I'm gonna bring that Nigerian flavor into my music, into the sounds. Um, using pidgin English, using Yoruba, and that was just a weird thing back in the late 90s, early two thousand. you know. So I'm not saying I was ostracized, but I guess I wasn't really embraced as I would have liked to. But it didn't matter because I was exposed to other uh, scenes. So the world music scene, the Afrobeat scene, uh, and that enabled me to travel and make a living off of music. So... I've kind of always been like, well, they don't know what I'm doing. They don't really care about me. But you know what? I just did a show in France with 10,000 people in there. So, boy, do I care, though? And I probably did at at points. But I realised that, oh, this thing actually exists outside of the framework we have in terms of what the industry is and whether you're popping or whether, you know, the spotlight's on you or not. So I kind of just was able to just manoeuvre without that recognition that I guess I thought I needed to have.
0: It's interesting you said that because it is what's popping, what does popping mean and where, but the only, by what I could maybe understand if ever there was frustration is that, and it's again back to that understanding community and supporting people, your own homegrown, homegrown talent. It is that because you want to come home to wherever you're from in the UK and sell out, you know, sell out, not sell out, sell out, of, yeah, yeah. Of, your, <laughs> yes. of your peers and fans and like yeah mm-hmm. you're, you're representing you represent a British Nigerian you know the culture so it would be nice it mm. would be nice because like I said having those conversations with Ty and some of I think one of his bugaboos or bugaboo, bugaboos was um, the disconnect between young and the old school in the UK specifically I think I mean, the young kids today—the the, the damn kids—are kind of dismissing the NAS and the biggies now. They're getting tired of us saying that they're the best. They're now bringing in their little yeah, yeah. their lil yotties, and all those type of people. That I can't, the I can't the lils exactly. I can't listen to them at all. They're starting to erase the old God. But at least there was a little. There's been a long-standing recognition of the old heads that we grew up listening to, mm-hmm. or we were age mates. Mm-hmm. But in the UK, I don't think we do that. I, I doubt. I'm not going to call names. A UK rapper. Of today, could probably list ten British rappers, black rappers that came before them. So, how do you feel about that?
1: I made my peace with it all when ah, oh, who was it? Just some some random person on Twitter made a comment, and they said that UK rap. More or less started with gigs. No, oh,
0: my God, my chest.
1: <laughs> I said that's like saying R and B and soul in the UK started with Amy Winehouse. Interesting. And I just thought, oh, the disconnect is massive. Like we can't even take offence <laughs> to that because it, there's <laughs> just you know, w- Wiley. Wiley was being called an old man. So. I get it, what is old is not even the old God. So it's like, it's almost like that generation and beyond is almost invisible. But, you know, I do what I can in terms of educating people because, you know, when I go into schools, I do this thing where I do a journey of hip hop, um, rap music, and I start from Sugar Hill Gang and, you know, that era, and then I go into maybe before Nas, but then I I segue into the UK, but then explore the different genres where rapping, the art form was taking place and you had Garage and Drum and Bass and, you know, before Grime and, you know, when he gets to Grime, they're all like, oh yeah, 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 we know that, but they don't really know before that. So I try my best to just shed a bit of light on one or two artists, you know, and the thing is, it's not their fault because they're not fed that, they're not, taught that it's not being fed to them through the radio through the platforms that they listen to the old god isn't celebrated in that way i talk about the industry a lot you know the industry is all about what's youthful a young demographic is always the you know the focal point yeah and um I, i get it i get it um so you know maybe we just have to make more noise or we have to learn how to reach out to the younger generation
0: more and I think you're doing great work in, um, in ed- trying to feed it through with education. So you have written and self-published a book, The Diary of a Creative Mind, to accompany yeah. your latest album, Arise and Shine.
1: Why now? Why now? Well, first of all, it's an EP.
0: Okay. What is an uh, EP then? What's the difference?
1: The definition of an EP is actually extended play. So you had an LP.
0: Yeah, a long play.
1: Long play. And you had SP. Short play. <laughs> I think it's single play, but okay. it might be short play actually. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And okay. then extended play was like the ex- an extended single, so you could have three or four songs, some remixes. So it's like half an album. Okay. In a way, yeah. So this EP has five songs. So yeah. Okay. Why? Why? Uh, so the the book Diary of a Creative Mind is my second book. The first book I put out was called Brilliant Rappers Educate Intelligent Students. Mm-hmm. That was a few years ago now. And I self-published that at the time because there was a demand for it in the schools that I was visiting. And, you know, I thought, actually, this would be a good way of people breaking down lyrics, studying them, blah, 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 and having an appreciation for rap as opposed to something that is just rhythmical and nice to hear. Yeah. But the actual content, the words, the substance within... Let's look at that. Let's explore that. So I put that together. It also came off the back of an EP back then called The Brilliant EP. Mm -hmm. So I'd made up in my mind that every time I put something out, I was going to put a little book together. Yeah, so I rise and shine. Started working on that in 2018. And um, because it was an EP, I thought, hmm, it's going to be a bit short if Mm -hmm. I'm just talking about five songs, and breaking down the lyrics and the process of those five songs. So I thought, what could be more interesting? What could I add to it? And I thought, you know, some sort of behind the scenes. And then somehow the idea of a diary came to mind. And I thought, hmm, that might be really interesting. And I thought it would be nice to just pull the veil back mm. so people could see what it was really like being an independent artist, a creative who doesn't have a fixed salary, who's making things happen who's exploring their creativity and just trying to make it work and navigate it in the UK so it sounded like a good idea and I just went for it
0: I mean it sounds very good and you cover topics like race and racism finances and performing so can you give a personal anecdote of your that defines your experiences with those matters as a creative I guess because I like Mm -hmm. the idea of it being a diary and
1: yeah um, let me start with performance I love performing you know, I used to say this, you know, all the time that when I'm in a different country and I'm about to perform, I feel like I am living my purpose. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing it. I'm not just in my room, planning, mapping mm. out, getting the lyrics right. I'm not even in the studio recording. I'm doing like I've done it and here it is. There yeah. you go. I guess that's almost like the final stage. You know, if you've got a boss, the final boss in the game, that is it. It's performing. So I talk about my love for that, just being in different countries, what that does for my state of mind. It's a very healthy thing to be able to live your purpose. Talk about the ups and downs of when the money's not so good, uh, when the band is arguing, you know, different things like that. Then, so finances is a very interesting one because if you're a creative, a freelancer, you know, independent artist, you know that man has to make some money somehow. so how do I do it and it doesn't always go to plan and you know one of the things that I realized is that you're going to have good months and you're going to have quiet months and you have to make sure that when you're having the good months you better store some away for the quiet months that's the that's the first rule like you know so be wise with your budgeting and and know how you're going to let the money stretch and then as a creative, it's your job to create opportunities and work for yourself. So it's about putting yourself out there more. Um, And, you know, I talk about the fact that I haven't always done that. I haven't always put myself out there Mm. for whatever reason. I talk about this conflict I have between, you know, wanting to be this big artist, but also just, just being content and being humble and that kind of clash that happens. So that was one of the things I explored. But um, yeah, but also talking about, you know, the different ways in which I was able to create wealth for myself. And that was through setting up my own company. I never knew that was possible. Mm. Like that could be a career. Self-publishing my own book. You know, I studied the publishing industry and it looked like another version of the record company industry. And if you have a book that you're selling for maybe 10 pounds, as the author, you might make a pound.
0: Yeah, for real.
1: So I just thought, nah, nah, we can do better than that. So um, I did some studying, took some courses, and boom, I did it. I I had direct access to my my market, to my audience. And, you know, it's taken a while, but I've sold almost 10,000 books independently. Now, that's a big feat if you're independent because you don't have that big budget to market yourself, to get into the bookstores. But, you know, the model that I was using, I didn't need the traditional elements that you're told you need to have or have to have.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so, um, yeah, that was that. Race, I didn't go too much into race, but the thing about race, race is a really interesting thing. And I think we're, we're seeing that even now because race is this thing that people don't want to acknowledge. And racism can't always... Be proven with yeah. evidence that satisfies <laughs> the non believers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but are you sure it's race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you know? There's a knowing that you have as a black person when something's off. Yeah. Like, you're like, come on, man. And I talk about being at airports and getting stopped at customs, and the whole idea is that this is um, a random check, right? It's just a random check. And you're like, i was looking and you weren't you weren't even randomly checking anyone else yeah but okay if you say so i ain't gonna give you no drama do your thing you're doing your job cool leave you go away you turn back and you watch to see who's the next random check you could be there half an hour nobody you know some people call it paranoia i just say that as black people we have space in our brain that is occupied by these thoughts of so was that because i was black or were they just doing their job and you know different people have different you know outlooks so some would be like yeah they were just doing their job it was random mm-hmm. and then other people would say like hmm it looked like it was only me you know or this always yeah. happens to me yeah and then there are other people that would be like rah they're racist rah, straight away so we have this occupation in our mind with these things when it comes to races incidents. And that's something that you will only experience and only know if you are black or brown. I've had all those feelings. I've gone from, why'd you
0: stop me though? <laughs> then I'll look around, check. Okay, there's brown people, so that's not helping you. Okay, there's a random white man who's huffing and puffing, making all the noise. But I felt like you threw that person in <laughs> that space that could be paranoid or just, that third eye sense that we need to survive. That's mm. mm-hmm. like, yeah, you picked him just to make it not look so bad, but you knew mm. what you were doing. So it's, it's, I hear you, man. I hear you. So, the, I mean, the book sounds brilliant and it's not your first. Mm. And it's, so you, your brilliant rappers educate intelligent students. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's been used as an interactive educational tool. Yes. So just on a tangent, it's interesting that there are a few teachers on this earth that know that hip, the power of spoken word in educating people rhythmically and how that you know you get things stuck in your head i think i would have benefited a lot with some sort of little ditty to help me get through certain lessons as i said on the tangent i found the celebration of the musical hamilton a tad patronizing because oh wow okay. being a long-time fan of hip-hop i'm mm. surprised at its power you're not surprised because you use it as a teaching tool and probably yeah. successful Mm. But so can you verbalise, what does rap mean to you and what its power means to you and what has it done for you?
1: Rap for me was the gateway to me understanding myself better. I was able to um, bring out what was within. Thoughts, feelings, emotions. I was able to explore them through my words. I was able to tell stories. I was able to have a voice. I was able to become more sociable. People were willing to listen to me more. So it builds up confidence. It builds up self-awareness. It builds up also a, a sense of I have to do my research before I say this thing because it might not be correct. So let me, let me go and do some studying about it and then come back with the knowledge. So you have to be knowledgeable. In the strictest traditional form of rap, obviously gave me a career, put food on the table, allowed me to travel the world. It's power. It has had the power, it has the power to bring a community or a nation out of a bad state by providing jobs, providing something to occupy you something to make you feel good about yourself to see the talents that you have inside so that's one of the one of the powers it has it also has the power of educating and that's one of the biggest things that I got from it and you know when you say education sometimes it's it sounds like a dry word when Wu-Tang and Nas and Biggie were saying and Jay-Z would be saying certain things it was an education because I didn't know about it yeah I didn't know about Uh, the boulevard I didn't know about Crenshaw Heights I didn't know about all of these different places and police brutality that was going on and the thoughts of a black man who feels like he has his back against the wall all of these different stories and references it was education and then you start to look at your own surrounding and then you go they're rapping about that over there this is what's going on over here Mm. and you see the connection between what's going on here and there and you go ah okay 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 so I'm going to talk about this Mm. I'm going to talk about the estate I'm talk about council estates I'm going to talk about you know gyro I'm going to talk about you know all of these different things that resonate with me Mm. you know as a native of this land so to speak Uh,
0: however it's not without its controversy so how Mm -hmm. do you feel about Wap, Hardy B and Megan Thee Stallions um, controversial, not so controversial tune, depending on how you look at it. And then you've got Jaguar Wright calling out industry left, right and centre. You did refer- reference the old guards, Nas, Jay Z, Biggie. Um, Nas was more political, but Jay Z and Biggie could be not blamed in its entirety. But you know they had problematic lyrics along with Snoop and the and the like. And then you have someone like Lauren Hill, the troubles that she's been through, and then her generation, her child. Mm. Revealing that she bore the brunt of the struggles that she went through. And this is all part of the hip hop family. Mm. So, I mean, this isn't a question. It's more like there's the camps conscious rapper, commercial rapper, gangster rapper. And I'd probably put you in a conscious rapper bracket. Sorry if that's offensive or limiting. It's understanding. One, the conscious decision uh, to rap how you rap versus being that gangster, more explicit rapper? And how do you feel about how it all merges together and becomes a thing?
1: Firstly, I have no real thoughts about WAP. Okay. (laughs) Um, You know, I can't even understand the discussions and the think pieces that came from it. like I'm like, huh? I didn't really get it and I haven't looked into it enough to understand what people's obsession with it is. I, I have no idea.
0: So but just Before we go into it, the whole obsession is women just talking about their body parts in a way for some reason people are finding super offensive against the backdrop of the legacy of explicit rap tunes. I know, like I've said before, one of the first hip hop tunes that I liked actually was Ice-T- Is it Ice or NWA's Just Don't Bite It? And it's a horribly, I was like, I can't remember what year it was out. I know I was way too young to be listening to it. But that's what I grew up listening to. Mm. And, you know, rapping along with Snoop when he was calling us all the bitches and hoes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. It's been been around for ages. It will continue to be around for ages. And, you know, a song like that has has been made a hundred times. So either you're going to do this every time. And I think the same thing happened when Nicki Minaj did Anaconda. But I still don't understand what the hoopla is. Okay, so what is it? Is it that women should not be rapping like that? Is that what it is? Or are people... I don't even know. I don't even know. So you have no issue with all of that? Oh, I mean, it's not saying I don't have issue with it, but how can I say it? What's not for me is not for me. Sure. And there are certain things I won't listen to because mm-hmm. it doesn't appeal to me. I only listened to that song once because everyone was talking about it and I didn't understand why. They're not even in my, my atmosphere of artists that I, I, I'm like, oh, I need to hear what they're talking about. Now, yeah. if, you're telling, if you're talking about Rhapsody, for example, I need to know what she's just dropped because I'm like, okay, I'm checking for what she has to say checking for her style, blah, blah, blah. Conscious rapper, I am not. Really, really. But I will say that I am conscious of things. So, So to a degree, yes. The only thing, the only reason why I might not like that label is because of people's perceptions of what a conscious rapper is yeah. and the limitations they put on it, the limitations the radio puts on it, the limitations the fans put on it, all sorts. And if people actually check my catalogue, I find it hard that people call me conscious. Uh, but there are some tunes that I can understand why they might. But I think for the most part, it's the fact that I am not a gangster rapper. Yeah. So if you're not a gangster rapper or a roadman, if you're not portraying that roadman life, then you're automatically conscious. Yes. Which is a nonsense because there are so many versions, variations, the spectrum of what a black man is and does. So, you know.
0: I hear you and feel you and everything. So who are you listening to right now? Who are you recommending?
1: Apart from myself, yeah. Um, Obviously. Recently, I've been listening to a bit more R&B.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah. I've been listening to Burner Boy. about to li- listen to T.O.S. Savage's new album. Okay. Archer, UK rapper. Yeah. have been listening to him a lot. Benny Bizzle, he's an R&B singer from here. Roses Gabor. And then every now and then, some South African house.
0: Ah, nice. I've asked you that and I'm going to go into my little quick fire round. What film or TV would you say... Best describes your life?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, man. I don't even know how to. Okay, you know, you said film or TV show. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with TV show A Different World.
0: Okay, okay. I hear you. I feel you. What book do you have to have? Like if you moved house 20 times and you had a bookcase in every house, what book has to be? on that shelf, regardless of whatever other books are around it?
1: Huh. See? <laughs> A while ago, I'd have said the Bible straight away. <laughs> but um, man doesn't read as much. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't, the thing is, I don't really go back to books that much.
0: Okay, that's interesting. But
1: um, if I just had to think of like one of my favourite books, uh, I would say The Famished Road by Ben Okri.
0: Yeah, that's a fantastic book. Um, what song or album mm-hmm. could be used as a soundtrack mm-hmm. to your life?
1: Oh, come on. With this soundtrack to your life, this life thing, man, you're making it hard. I know. Okay, okay, okay.
0: <laughs> this is what, how I've remixed, because people have found that hard. Okay. If, people, if I was to go into a room full of Breeze, homies, stands, fans, everything, And I'd be like, guys, I want to put on a tune because Breeze is coming up the road. I'm going to put a tune for him, (laughs) or I'm going to play an album. What would they say? Nah, put this on because you're going to get him wiling out.
1: Right. If it's my people's, yeah, and they know it has to be New (laughs) Jack Swing. Okay. Straight up, like guy, BBD. What I ah, I just, just awesome. Yeah, anything New Jack Swing. Yeah, you got me. You got me doing the running man as soon as I get into the place.
0: Okay, wicked. Okay, cool. I'm going to adapt my question to be like that. Actually, I <laughs> um, And I don't know if you you frequent the theatre, but a piece of theatre or something on stage that you saw that resonated with you.
1: I'm thinking of two pieces. One, I think the name is Arinze. Arinze he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. His his show. Misty. Misty. That's it. Yeah, Brilliant. Love that. Love that. Actually, there's three. So there's that one. Then there's John ZD's Aeroplane Man. Okay, yes, definitely. Back in the day. Classic. Yeah. And, ah, oh, I can't remember the last one. I think it was,
0: is it Babasegi? I think it's Babasegi. Babasegi's wives?
1: I think so. Okay. I think, I think so, yeah.
0: And um, finally, 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 what's made you sad, mad and glad this week?
1: Oh, man, don't make me cry. Gosh. Sorry. Um, What's made me sad, glad? Okay, what's made me glad? Okay, so released my EP, Arise and Shine, but I also released a whole load of merchandise to go with it. If you go onto my website, www.mrbreeze.com, M-R-B-R-E-I-S.com, you'll see everything there, right? So I've got these packages. There's a gold package. There's a vibranium package. And, uh, there's an executive producer package the executive producer package is 500 pounds and the vibranium is 200
0: okay
1: i've had a couple of 200 bundles and gold ones as well this week so i'm very happy about that that made me very happy
0: okay.
1: what made me really sad was the loss of chadwick boseman that was really sad but it's been interesting because also this week I've been practicing keeping my vibration on a higher level, just to cope with the, the onslaught of stuff that's going on, you know, in my own personal life, there's things going on. So I'm trying to stay in a mm. vibration where I don't get into a funk and yeah. I'm more functional. I can be helpful to my family and just keep my own health in check as well. So even though things might have made me sad, I'm trying to make sure that I raise that vibration from... So if I, if I am feeling low, I have to find a way soon to just get me back up to a nice place.
0: Nothing's made you mad then?
1: Yeah, I don't think anything's made me mad this week.
0: And that's fine. That's actually a blessing. Let's sit in the GLAD of the sales of your stuff because that's very fantastic. Yes, yes. And I was going to ask you where can everyone get the stuff, but as you mentioned, it's mrbreeze.com.
1: That's right. And that's it. Thank, Thank you there. very much.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking to you. So, I've never asked anyone to do this before, but I think our listeners should hear your talents. So, can you please introduce your track?
1: The, see that now I have to decide which oh of my God. babies to put out there. <laughs> so, you know what, the current single is a song called Wahala. But I, I'm going to go with the first song of the EP. Called "Stay Diligent." You're about to listen to the the Illy Dilly flow. Stay diligent.
0: Bless you, sir, and thank you very much.
1: This beat is nuts. We've been putting in work for years. Got to stay diligent in this game. Man's is always working. If you don't work, you don't eat. We stay dilly, gent cause it's really hard work trying to make a millie out of Lily. Mm. Rap so really and ent- and get millie. Tent on Jack dilly, trying to cap my capability. But uh, they can't really, so it's so killie. Uh, I'm definitely fulfilling my destiny. Uh, Even if the glass silly, Jack sons like Lily puts caps in your capilly. Uh, See me in Guy and Lily, learn to be Billy, growing up in Nigeria. Firstborn looking after the family. <laughs> Things kinda change when I flew to London. Billy. Man of the house now, more responsibility. Uh, lived in the county. Camp- some estate in Brixton, yeah. thugs in the BMs, plain bounty killie uh, trying to recruit the youth to criminally. Uh, so you sayin'? I'm like Millie Vanilli. Hey, stay diligent, give it to me, living magnificent. If you don't work, you can't eat, then you can't sleep, Maybe that's a no, no, no. Hey, stay diligent, give it to me, living magnificent. If you don't work, you can't eat. I will put the work in. Oh 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 Mum was sing Gilly, no pops in the facility. Uh, I walked around town like I was invisibility. Yeah. I've done a few things I'm not proud to reveal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The road is hot and cold, I call it chilly. Mm-hmm. My languilly blends like a chamilly. Write mm-hmm. so many bars, I'm almost mm-hmm. in carcerilly. Write mm-hmm. for your soul to connect to your intilly. Write yeah. with intent, never willy lily. The London lily, round the world like Philly. Freeing people saying free your mind, not willy. Being in the billy believing in your rebellion. Honest work won't killy. Lazily. Billy silly billys wanna pick a fight. I pick a billy. Lyrically, my skilly's probably top billy. Stay dilly, focus your mentally, and have something to show at the end, Billy. Hey, stay diligent. Give it to me, living magnificent. If it don't work, you can't eat, and you can't sleep. Maybe that's enough.